Well, we're beginning a brand new series today called The Winning Hand. And I want to begin this message today by asking you a question. How many of you want to have a great 2008? How many of you? I mean, seriously, you want to have a great 2008? You want your marriage to be great, your family to be great, your career, your money, your, your health? I mean, you want to have a great 2008. Well, here's what we're going to do. You don't want to miss one week. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at a message or a series that I've titled The Winning Hand. How to have a winning hand for 2008. Friends, life is too short. Life is too precious to gamble with it. And there are a lot of people that are rolling the dice with their life. They're gambling with their life. And friends, God's Word, the Bible, the inspired, infallible Word of God tells us how to have a successful 2008. And today we're going to look at a message that I've titled, Calling the Bluff. You know, in some card games, to be successful, you've got to be able to, to bluff other people out. And they even put on ball hats, and some games they put on glasses, shades, so that people can't see that they're, that they're bluffing. That they're, in other words, they're, they're pretending that they have a good hand when they don't. <laughs> but, but they're faking, they're pretending like everything's okay with their hand when it's really not. They're, they're, they're bluffing. And today I want us to look at a story in the Bible of a man who was, who was bluffing. But this man wasn't bluffing in a card game. He was bluffing with his very life. And I want us to look at this story today found in Joshua chapter 6. If you have a Bible, Joshua 6. We're going to look at Joshua 6 and Joshua 7 today. If you don't have a Bible handy with you today, the scriptures will pop up on the screen behind me. Joshua 6, verse number 16, the scripture says, The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Blast! Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. What was transpiring here is, is the children of Israel had been in the desert roaming around for 40 years. And they had finally arrived at Jericho, the promised land. And there was a wall separating them from the promised land. And they were to march around the city. And then the seventh day, march around seven times, shout, and the wall would fall down. Verse 17 says, the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. As you get inside of the city... There's some things devoted to the Lord. Only, excuse me, only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away, notice this, keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go, notice this, and must go into his treasury, the Lord's treasury. Scripture says don't keep the devoted things. When you get inside of the city, don't take the silver, don't take the gold, don't take the bronze, don't take the iron. Those things belong to the Lord. They are devoted to the Lord. Look with me in chapter number 7 in Joshua, verse number 1. The scripture goes on to say, but the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Ikon, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Jump down to verse number 10. 
We're going to look at some of the other verses between verse 1 and verse 10, but momentarily let's look at, at, at verse number 10 together. The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the, the, the devoted things. They've taken it. They have stolen. They have lied. They're, they're bluffing. They're, they're pretending like everything's okay when it's really not. They have put them with their own possessions. Iken was, was bluffing. Iken was, was trying to pull one over on God and on the other Israelites. And the question that, that's so perplexing to me as I was studying this story this week is, why in the world, why in the world was Iken trying to bluff God? I mean, do you realize the moment that they were in? The children of Israel had been in the desert roaming around for 40 years and were not able to go to the promised land because they had disobeyed God and they did not trust God and, and they, they were trying to do things their own way. And Iken, he knew that they were roaming around in the desert for 40 years. He knew the consequences of, of disobeying God. And here they are 40 years later and now they made it to the promised land. And, and you know what God does? He miraculously, by his mighty hand, he pushes down the wall of Jericho. I mean, the wall goes down into the ground. And the children of Israel, after witnessing a move of God like that, they go into the city. They go into the promised land. I mean, they were actually seeing promises fulfilled. God promised them something, and they were seeing it fulfilled. These were great days. I mean, these were days of victory. These were, were, were days, of tri days of triumph. These were exciting days. They were going in. They were possessing the land, the land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it was a land where there was cattle and, and milk was flowing. And, and, and it, it was a land that had, had good soil where they could plant and, and get a harvest from the seed they were sowing. It was a wonderful land. This was a great time. This was the highlight of Israel going into the promised land. And during this great time, doing a move of God, doing a revival, doing, during the time where God is moving by his miraculous hand, Iken decided to take some of the things that God said not to take. He decided he was going to do things his own way. What, what, what was he thinking? Maybe he thought, well, you know, it's, it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, you know, I'm God's child and... I mean, God's moving, he's, he's blessing, we're, we're in the promise, and it's just not that big of a deal. Maybe I can thought, you know, I, I'll just justify this, I'll just rationalize my lifestyle. I mean, I, I know this is not pleasing to the Lord, but you, 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 I, I do so many, I'm a good person, I do so many other things right. Look, I'm good over here, and, and I'm good over there, and I'm good here. So, so I mean, it's not that big of a deal if I compromise, and it, I, mean, I mean, come on, it's going to help my family. And he began to rationalize and to justify his lifestyle. Maybe I can thought that, you know, there may be a little consequences to it, but the reward is going to be greater than consequences. I mean, hey, yeah, everything's going to work out for my, for my behalf. Maybe I can thought this. Maybe he thought nobody's going to know. Nobody will find out. I mean, I'm good at bluffing. I'm good at pretending like everything's okay when it's really, when it's really not. Nobody will ever know that I've done something that I shouldn't have done. Today, why, why are some of you calling the bluff? I, I realize under the sound of my voice, some of you are just like I can. 
you're, you're calling the bluff. You're, 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 you're bluffing. You're pretending like everything is okay and God's trying to call your bluff today. And some of you are just like a good poker player. You got your outfit on. Revolutions in the realm of the spirit when it comes to darkness. They're going to overthrow kingdoms and powers of darkness today. And in they're coming. Some of these that are coming to the front today are going to be fabulous evangelists. They're going to be fabulous. Nobody's going to know. I even come to church sometimes. And you go to your workplace and you're bluffing. And you're cheating. And, and, you're, and you're lying. But you don't call it lying, of course. You call it stretching the truth. You call it not giving all the facts. And, and you're lying. And you can call it white lie, whatever you want to call it. But, but you're, you're bluffing. Some of you in this place today, you're, you're bound in pornography. And you come to church and, and, and you act like everything's okay. And then you go to your work. You go to your computer. You, you stay up late at night and you get in your corner with your, and, you, and you're pumping your mind full of junk. And, and you're trying to bluff everybody. No, nobody will know. Nobody will find out some of you in this place today, you're having an affair. You're, you're on the verge of an affair. And you pretend you go home and you act like everything's okay. And you, you're, you're, plan, you're, you're, you're playing the bluff. You're, you're, trying to fool, you're faking everybody out. Some of you, in this, you're living a double life. You act one way with certain friends and another way with others. You're, 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 you're living this double life. You've you got the right outfit. You, you're trying to fool everybody. And the thing about Icon is, is God called the bluff. It's because you're not able to fool the Lord. And, and the scripture gives us three dangers. Three dangers of living a life of bluffing. Three dangers of, of trying to bluff God and others. No, number one is this. Look at, look at this with me. Number one is you cannot stand against the attack of the enemy. When you're going through life bluffing and pretending and sin is in your life, you, you cannot stand against the attack of the enemy. Look at this with me. Back in Joshua chapter 7 and, and verse number 3, the scripture says once they, the walls fell down and, and they got into to Jericho, they returned to Joshua. They said, not all the people will have to go up against Ai. In other words, when they got into this promised land, there were several nations around Jericho that, that they needed to defeat. So they sent out spies to spy out the land and, and to see the strategy they needed to put together to defeat these cities. So, so they came back and says, listen, not all the people will have to go up against AI. Send two or three thousand men to take it. I mean, we've got a million plus people here. I mean, we don't need to send everybody. Just send two or three thousand men to take it uh, to, to take it, and do not weary all the people for only a few men are there. I mean, this is a small battle. This is a piece of cake. That's a little small city. So about three thousand men went up. But they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Friends, can I tell you, when you're trying to bluff God and bluff others, and your life is full of sin, little battles become real difficult. And this was a little battle. 
I mean, this was a small city. This was a piece of cake. And now they find themselves not able to win little battles. They can't stand against the attack of the enemy. Friends, when you're calling the bluff, you have, the enemy will have a heyday in your life, a heyday in your family, a heyday in your money, a heyday in your career, a heyday in your marriage because you can't stand against the attack of the enemy. When you're going through life bluffing and pretending and faking, And here's Israel being defeated by their enemy. Listen, the scripture goes on to say in in Joshua chapter number 7 and verse 13, it says, Go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, That which is devoted is among you, O Israel. Listen to what God says. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. God says you're, you're bluffing. And because you're bluffing, you're running from things. That should be running from you. God says because you're bluffing, you're being defeated by things that you should actually be defeating. Little battles have become very difficult for you. Friends, hear me today. There's a real enemy. There's a real adversary. There's a real, there's a real devil. And friends, listen, when your life gets full of junk and your life gets full of sin and you're pretending and you're acting like everything's okay and you're trying to bluff God and bluff others, listen, some of you are being defeated by things you used to defeat. Some of you in your marriage, it's a little battle. In your, in your family, it's a little battle. In your career, it's a little battle. I mean, you're facing all these little battles and you're thinking, this is a piece of cake and it's wearing you out. And you're going, what's the deal? What's the, maybe, just maybe, you're bluffing. And you're pretending, and the scripture says you cannot stand against the enemy. There's a second thing that I want you to see here. The second thing that, that, that I want you to notice when you're, when you're trying to bluff, there, there's a, third, a second danger. Number two is this God's favor leaves your life. God's favor leaves your life. Listen to Joshua 7 and verse 12. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run. In other words, they're running from things that should be running from them because they have made, been made liable to destruction. Notice what God says. This is very key that you notice this. I will not be with you anymore. I used to be with you, but I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Church, it's a very scary thing to go through life without God being with you. And the Israelites, they were God's people, but God was not with them because Eichen was bluffing. He was pretending. He was playing games with the Lord. And though they were God's people, catch this, they were God's people, but God wasn't with them. You see... You can be a child of God and God not be with you. You can be God's child and God not be with your home and in your marriage. and at your, You're bluffing, you're pretending, you're doing things your own way, and you're a child of God, but God is not, not with you. And you know the scary thing? Here, here, here's the scary thing. Before God made them aware of their condition, they were going out. They were trying to fight against AI. They were trying to fight battles. They were trying to take the promised land. They were trying to advance and see their their future go forward. They wanted to have a a great year. And, And the scary thing is they were moving forward and fighting battles. And God was not with them. And they thought he was. Some of you in this place today. 
in your work, in your marriage, with your kids, in your money, and your friendships. You're doing things your own way. And God's not with you. God didn't put that relationship together. Look at what you're doing. You're justifying, but, but God's not. You're cheating at the company. You're lying and you're asking God, God, I won't bless that. I can't bless that mess. I'm not a part of, of the shadiness and the crookedness. And God says, listen, I can't be with you while you're doing your own thing. You're my people, but I'm not with you. When you're bluffing, God's favor leaves your life. There's a, a, a third danger I want you to see when you go through life bluffing. Number, number three is this. Calling the bluff will destroy your life. When you're bluffing, it will destroy your life. Listen to Joshua 7 and verse number 24. It says, Then Joshua together with all Israel. Let me just take a break here because some of you look tense. Let me just say, Happy New Year, church. Amen. Happy New Year. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll start off the new year right today, Pastor. I'm telling you. You know, we, we send out postcards in the mail, and every once in a while, usually when normally we get some phone calls, we, we're on the cutting edge a lot of times, and we got some phone calls going, I can't believe you're promoting gambling. I just thought, if you come to the church, you're going to find out. You, it's going to be a whole different message than what you think it is. <laughs> Joshua 7 and verse number 24, calling the bluff will destroy your life. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Ikon, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold wedge, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent and all that he had, to the valley of Ikar. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Iken, they, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place was called the Valley of Ikar ever since. Only if Iken would have known that his sin and his bluffing was going to destroy his life. They took him and his kids and his wife and his cattle and his donkeys and his silver and his gold and the Bible says they took him outside of the city and they stoned him to death and the Lord in my prayer time spoke so clearly to me I've created a list of people and after service we're going in the parking lot I'm just playing folks we're loosened up I was, <laughs> I'm, come on thank God for Jesus amen I mean thank God we're not in the old covenant amen thank God for grace and mercy I mean, hey, if we did like they did in the Old Testament, come on, let's get in the parking lot, baby. Come on, don't you run. We got some stuff for you today. You better get right or get out. I mean, it, I mean, thank God we're for Jesus. But though we're in the New Testament, God still is a holy God and is a righteous God and is a pure God. And he requires holiness from his people. And friends, here's this thing about, about, about sin. is whenever you're bluffing, it'll destroy your life. Sin is so destructive. Listen, I absolutely hate what sin does to people. 
I think about my life before Christ and how sin was destroying my life. As, as I have served God over the years, I've seen what the destructiveness of sin. I, even pastoring this church over the last five and a half years, I've seen people stray away, and I've seen what sin, how it destroys people's lives. And it's so deceptive, isn't it? I mean, sin looks so fun. I mean, you just look at Ike and he thinks, man, I'm going to get a little extra money. Nobody will know. I'll be able to take care of my family. I mean, hey, it's not that big of a deal. And it looks so enticing. It looks so fun. It looks so thrilling. It looks so cool. It looks so good. Yeah. And yet all it does is destroy your life. Listen, sir. Listen, ma'am. Some of you are on a road to destruction. I love you. I want God to bless you. I want God to help you. And your head, I mean, you're bluffing. You're in this place this morning and you're bluffing. Some of you are sweating under your underarm pits as I'm preaching. My Lord, he's gotten wire. You're uncomfortable. Oh, I know you are. You're uncomfortable and you're, you're trying to keep your poker face on right now in church. You say, Pastor, what do I do? That's me. I'm hiking. I'm bluffing. I'm playing games. I haven't been serving God. I'm doing my own thing. I'm living my own way. What do I do? That leads me to point number four. Number four is this, repent and turn to God. Repent and turn to God. Notice what the scripture says back in Joshua 7, in verse number 12. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore. I want to be with you, but I won't be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. God says you've got to destroy it. You've got to get it out of your life. Verse 3, go consecrate the people. Tell them consecrate. The word consecrate means set yourself apart. Set, your, set yourself apart to God. Consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. God says if you want to be prepared for tomorrow, if you want to be prepared for 2008, if you want to be prepared for 2009, you've got to consecrate yourself. You've got to set yourself apart to God. Consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. That which is devoted is among you, O Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies. Notice this, until you remove it. God says, if you want my protection, if you want me to be with you, if you want my blessings, you've got to remove the junk out of your life. You've got to repent. You've got to consecrate yourselves. You can't do your own thing and then say, God, would you please bless my mess? God says, listen, I can't be with you. I love you. Some of you, you're, you're my child. But you're doing your own thing. And you can't have my blessing on your mess. And the scripture says in the New Testament, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19, I love this scripture. It says, nevertheless... God's solid foundation stands firm. I mean, through the ages, his foundation stands firm. No matter what's happening in our society, no matter what's happening in your family, no matter what's happening in our world, no matter the, the deterioration in our world, no matter what's happening at your workplace, listen, God's solid foundation stands firm. Sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. God knows, and there's some of you today, you... You're living in sin. You're, you're, not, you're doing your own thing. And the reason is because you, you don't belong to the Lord. And, and you're doing your own thing. And you kind of throw God in the midst of your own lifestyle and what you want to do. And, and the Bible says, listen, God knows those who are His. And, 
And here's one of the key things that you'll know if you belong to the Lord. The scripture says, and everyone. Everybody say everyone. That's such a key word, everyone. That means whether you live in Africa, Indonesia, China, England, Australia, if you live in America, if you live in Oklahoma City, everyone, no matter if you're black or white or red or brown, it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor or you're middle class, every, everyone, I'm included, you're included, you can't exempt yourself, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. It's, it's not optional, it's... It's part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and friends, I, I want you to have a winning hand for 2008. And forget me, God wants you to have a winning hand for 2008. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He wants to be with you. And listen to me. Listen, 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 listen. The foundation at, at, at the very core of God being with you is you've got to repent. You got to turn away from some things. You got to get some things right with God. You got to quit bluffing. Listen, God's calling the bluff today. He's calling you out and say, "Listen, that's not right. That's shady. You're on the borderline here. That's a gray area. Back up, back up. You're you're in blatant sin. You're doing your own thing. And God says, "Listen, I want to bless you. I want to help you in 2008. But it starts with repentance." Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Everyone. Everyone. You can't justify your lifestyle. You can't do what you want to do and rationalize it. Everyone, everyone, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord, who says Jesus is my Lord and Savior, must turn away from wickedness. Listen, we don't work to get saved, but we should work because we are saved. We don't change to be saved. But we should change because we are saved. And if the Holy Spirit of God is in your life, there should have been some kind of change over the last month, two months, year, six years. And if all you're doing is living the same way and doing the same thing, I'm not God. But it's very questionable if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Oh, it's a process. But if you belong to Jesus and His Spirit is working in your heart and life, you're going to begin to be more like Jesus Christ. Listen, church, I love you. I want what's best for you in 2008. And the foundation is we got to repent. There's been some little things in my life that over this holiday break I was able to talk to God and get some things right and say, Lord, I want your blessing. I'm not putting up a front. Listen, I don't have it all together. I'm following Jesus with my whole heart, but, but I can sincerely say this to you. Though I don't have it all together, I can sincerely stand before this congregation on January the 6th, 2008. I can say, God, you know what's my heart's desire. You're all I want. I don't want any other distractions. I don't want any sin. God, you're my focus. You're my priority. You're who I want to please. I'm chasing hard after you. You're all I want. And I'm asking, would you begin 2008 today, January 6th, the first Sunday of the year, saying, God, you're all I want. Would you repent? Would you turn away from some things? I want you to make your seat an altar right now. Would you close your eyes with me? We're going to sing this song through. And I want you to repent. I want you to get some things right with God. Some of you need to cry. Some of you may weep.